0: Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com.
1: Good morning, ARCF family. It is so so good to see you this morning. I'm here because someone else couldn't be here. That's how that works. If you don't know, uh, there's a... uh, well, you don't know this. Monday, Pastor Greg called me and said, <clears throat> I think I'm getting a cold. I don't know how that works. Uh, but uh, it came out that there might be a COVID issue in the, around their family. So them not being here today <clears throat> makes all the sense in the world. Uh, so today, um, you know, Pastor Greg for the last couple of weeks has been doing a series called Family Road Trip. And, and he's referring to the uh, vision statement of the church. And if you want to know the vision statements, it's actually in your bulletin. So you can open it up, take a look. There's five of them. I don't have them memorized, uh, sort of. But I can tell you that he, the last two sermons that he gave, one was on prayer, the essential aspect of prayer. And then uh, that we would be a, a church defined by prayer. And that we would be a church that um, is uh, purposeful in making passionate disciples. I think I'm close on that. The next three are in your book, so if you want to, or on your bulletin, if you want to know what he's going to be preaching about in the future, that's it. Um, the issue is that he said that I could teach on anything I wanted, and um, I felt that the Lord was telling me that. Um, in a road trip, sometimes you need to take a rest stop. In fact, you need to take a rest stop. And let's see if I can get this going here. So this is the goal. Based on his story, the, the, the story was we were going to all be in one vehicle miraculously. <clears throat> and we were going to jet from uh, Citrus Heights down to Disneyland. I mean, Disneyland. the magic kingdom, the happiest place on earth. Now, obviously, uh, as one book, one author wrote, uh, your best life now is, if this is your best life now, I'm sorry for you. I don't want this to be my best life. I don't want Disneyland to be my best adventure, right? Having said that, in his analogy, that's our focus. How many people agree with that? Having a focus is critical. In fact, Oh, let me see. I probably have notes. I do have notes. Let's see what I wrote here. Um, yeah, let's do this. I think I can do this. Oh, yeah. So this fellow is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, uh, I'm proud to say, was an Irishman. I'm pretty excited about that. There's one of us, and he's a smart one. And he said, aim at heaven, and you, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you will get Neither i say that again because he's the smart one. Aim at heaven and you will get the earth. Aim at the earth and you will get neither. Whoop! I don't want to go there. Paul says it this way. First of all, if anybody needs a Bible, I just want to offer you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can take this one. We're using the New Living Translation. It's really easy to read. And this is, uh, I'd like to start with. If you have that, it's a black Bible. If you have that, it's uh, page 983. If you don't have that, it's Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 30. So C.S. Lewis said, We need to aim at heaven in order to get the earth. I'll say it this way. A lot of times, or I don't know if you've heard this, I've heard the statement, he is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Has anybody heard that statement? I want to just adjust it as we need to be heavenly minded so that we can be earthly good. If we're not seeing a heavenly vision, if we're not seeing God's perspective of what we're we're supposed to accomplish here, we're going to miss it. In, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says it this way. So starting at verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. What is your residency? What, what is on your, what is on your uh, registration? God doesn't care that you live in this city. He cares that you're registered in heaven. Right? So you must be a citizen of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come to see you again or not, or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith which is the good news. Don't be intimidated by any of your by in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have not been given, you have not been, excuse me, you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. We have seen, you have seen my struggle in the past and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. I'm I'm not going to have to repeat that, but I have some notes. We're to live as citizens of heaven. We're to stand together in one spirit and in one purpose, fighting together, not fighting each other. We're supposed to be fighting together for the faith, knowing that we have an enemy and our victory will will prove his defeat. Don't be intimidated. How many people know we have enemies? nobody i'm not talking political that's so last year i guess it's this week right our enemies are in the heavenlies right we're dealing with issues we're dealing with entities that want us to fail how many people know that maybe i'm maybe i should come back at 10 (laughs) 30 right i'm just saying that we're fighting right Paul is is adjuring us to say, listen, you are fighting in a spiritual battle. Your goal is to get into the kingdom, but there's a road that you're following that will beat you up, that will wear you down. Is anybody here tired today? I mean, not just tired because it's sort of early in the morning. Tired that you're just tired. Anybody feel a weight today? If 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 you feel that you're supposed to be here. Those of you who aren't here are supposed to be here. This is, this is a message that says, listen, God has got us on a journey from where we're at to the kingdom, but the road is hard. It's hard. And our enemy is vicious, and our enemy is ruthless. And we need to act as citizens of heaven. We need to stand together to f- and fight against that. We need to encourage each other. And don't be intimidated by your enemies. Let's see what I... Oh, don't want to go there. Oh, yeah. um, Last, the last couple weeks, Pastor Greg has been talking about being people who are defined by prayer and and so I have a question what does it mean to be a people defined by prayer and to become a training ground for passionate disciples of Christ those are the first two vision statements so I'm I'm really I think this is a time to do a review right this is a time where we're on the road if you go from here to the grapevine how many people know what the grapevine is you know why you know what the grapevine is. If you know the grapevine, it's, it's I, I did the math, it's 321 miles. It takes about four and a half hours to get there. How many people know that, I mean, listen, if you've driven the road after a while, you get used to it, but the first couple times you do it, it's like, I mean, I, I just remember feeling knocked out getting to the grapevine. And then you see this, this it seems like it's like that slope, Right? 45 degrees, but it's actually six degrees for five miles. It's a six degree slope forever, it seems like. And it's dangerous and it's treacherous. And I just want to stop right now and say, what does it mean? What does our vision mean? What does it mean to be people defined by prayer? What does it mean to be a training ground of passionate disciples? I want to talk about that today, right? These are not just describing what Christians do. These, these define, or this defines who Christians are. I don't want to be defined by prayer because it's something I do. Prayer is something you are. Being a disciple isn't something I do, it's something I am. These are not options or suggestions. Oh, I think I'll pray. Eh, maybe. I think I'll... uh, Listen, I'm not trying to push disciple groups. But you better get in a disciple group. Why? Because Pastor Greg thinks it's a great philosophy? No, the book says... How many people think I'm serious as a heart attack? I am. You need it. It's These are directives. These are commands. This is your church eldership saying, hey, get on board. Not because we think everybody needs to be there. You're not a number. This is life. Right? For Christ followers, this is not a suggestion or an option. If you're new to the faith, if you're just kicking the tires. I get it. Kick the tires. (laughs) Okay, let's do this. I'd like to have you go to uh, John 15, verse 1 through 8. If if you have the Black Bible, it's uh, page 897. So I want to talk about prayer first of all. I'm not trying to reteach what Pastor Greg taught at all. I'm I'm trying to, for me, I learn by teaching. So I'm learning this. Please understand, he did a great job. But I need this for me. How many people need review sometimes? Right? This is for me. Okay? So in John 15, 1 through 8, it's, listen to what happens. Ready? I'm going to read it. This is Jesus teaching. He says, verse 1 I am the true grapevine I think that that's just coincidental no okay I didn't think I didn't see it until the day I went, oh it's a grapevine <laughs> I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even even more You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to do it again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, and you may ask anything you want, and it will be granted. You will produce much fruit you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. When you read that, as I read that, a few things may have stuck out to you. If, you, if, you, if you're stuck on, oh no, I'm going to be cut. <laughs> if you're that person, you need to readjust some thinking. Because that's not what it's about at all. I want to just bring your attention to something I just saw right now. <laughs> In verse 2, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine. Who, who, who gets cut? Who owns the vineyard? Who, the gardener is the father. Who's the, who's the grapevine? Jesus is the grapevine. That's what he says, I'm the grapevine. Whose branches? His. Who's, who's, who's getting cut? Jesus is. He says, mine my branches who owns the branches Jesus does but I want to focus on two words because it's he repeats it six times and and the story doesn't end here but in that in that story so far six times he says remain and six times he references fruitfulness do you think that's important to Jesus? that if you remain you'll be fruitful if you don't remain you won't? Do you think he's, he's being silly? Do you think he's not being sincere? Do you think he's just messing with you? Being in him is prayer, by the way. That is the clearest perspective of what prayer is. Paul in 1 Thessalonians says to pray without ceasing. How does that work? I can't babble all day long. Well, maybe some of us could. <laughs> Prayer isn't a thing you do, it's a thing you are. It's a relational thing. Your child is your child, whether they're with you or they're away from you. It's a relational connection. Being in Him, remaining in Him is the key. I don't pray so that I can fill a quota. I don't pray so that I can not... A little boxes as I've completed this request. No, I pray because I'm desperately in need of connection with somebody who will gain, so I can gain a heavenly perspective. I don't know about all of you. I'm stupid. <laughs> I have got too many weaknesses. I'm not going to make it on my own strength. How many people can confess to that? How many people know that that's Okay because you can't make it on your strength anyway. But recognizing that drives me to the point where I need I need his life. So I just want to encourage you that prayer is, is analogous to being in him, to remain in him, to because I can't be fruitful. I can't do anything without prayer. But in prayer, in his presence, I can do a bunch of stuff that he wants me to do. I, I thought of this that, Prayer, and I wrote this, and I, I'm not trying to be theological, but it just sort of struck me is that prayer is where I hear God's voice. Prayer isn't just me just yapping at God, telling him what I need, because we, we've, I've been there. I need this, I wish that, I want that. I've been there. But prayer is more effectively when God speaks to me. When God tells me stuff about me, when he puts calm in my heart. Prayer is where I hear God's voice. And I just thought of that, just connecting some of the other dots. Prayer is where we hear God's voice. We know that faith comes by hearing. So when I pray and I hear his voice, I have faith. And and hearing is by the word of God. That's sort of cyclical. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you know that prayer leads me to pleasing God? And that's what it says. In here it says, this brings great joy to my father. Do you want to bring joy to your father? Then pray. Oh, you don't need me to yell at you. I'm, not, I'm being goofy, right? I hope. Oh, that's Disney. <sighs> Making passionate disciples. Wow. Wow. What a vision statement. We've we got to know some stuff. And I'm not, I, again, I'm not trying to reteach it. It's just something that struck in me. Making passionate disciples requiring being a passionate disciple. <laughs> when I was first sent out as a pastor, the prayer over me was this, right? This should scare the Pazubis out of you because this may be you. Father, give Dennis disciples just like him. I pray that for all of you. And that should scare you. Give these people, give your people disciples just like them. Why is that? Why do I need disciples just like me? And and it's not like characteristics. It's not personalities. It's people who have a fire in their heart. Lord, give me people who are passionate. Wait a minute. What if you're Dealing with people who are not passionate. It may reflect where you're at. I'm just, just saying. Lord, put a passion in me first. Discipleship is not about telling people what to do, but to be an example of how to live and grow in Christ. Uh, the, the freebie here is this. Ready? And I, I may have put this on my notes. Maybe not. It, how may, the, the, the scripture says, Jesus told us directly, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Do you know why he did that? What's the maybe, maybe the, the reason? Why did he say go make disciples? Nobody knows. It's okay. He said go make disciples. The first reason is to, to present and, and present the gospel, right? To, to propagate the faith, to bring and spread the gospel. That, that's number one. But you know the the real reason I think it is? It's because making a disciple is really the best way for you to grow. I love this couple over here. I'm sort of related to them, but I don't have a choice. They're good folks all in all, but they grew when they had kids. Don't tell Conrad this, but he has grown since he got married. I'm thankful for Rachel. (laughs) It's more than you know. (laughs) Discipling is how you grow. Discipling forces you to dig deep into the Word and determine what's important it puts an awe in you like, wait a minute, this person is looking for me, looking to me for, a, for some sort of wisdom? Parents, deep down you know that point when your child comes to you and says, well, how, how do I do this? And some of the things you know, some of the things you go, that, that certain subjects, whoa, you know that. <laughs> it's scary, isn't it? Yeah, but it's good. It's good stuff. Let's see what I got here. I, I, I'd like to read some scriptures. I don't want to bore you. So I'm going to read them anyway. <laughs> so, I, and you can follow along. It's, the first one is 1 Corinthians 10, 32, and then going into 11, 1, on page 955, if you have the book, it says, don't give an offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do, I, just, I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that, I, so that they may be saved. And you should imitate me just as I imitate that, That's a pretty braggadocious thing for Paul to say. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But if you flip it and say, that is the most humble thing anybody could say. I want you to watch me. Every parent really knows that, whether you know it or not. Your kids, have all, their eyes are always on you. They hear everything. They see everything. Don't They know where you're hiding gifts. They know where they are. <laughs> they know where you put things. They snoop when you're not around. They know everything. Ephesians 4, page 979 says this, Then we will no longer be immature children, Wait a minute, God doesn't want me to stay to be as an immature child. I thought I could be like Peter Pan. I don't want to grow up. Can I tell you that that's your human nature? Your your flesh doesn't want you to grow up. That is the flesh. Right? That's that needs to be crucified. (laughs) We are no longer to be that immature child. We won't be tossed. And blown about by every wind and new teaching. We will not be influenced by people who try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak, watch, this is discipling. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. That's discipling. That's what we do. I love you enough to tell you the truth. If I don't tell you the truth, it may be an indicator I really don't love you. Ooh, that'd be horrible. I don't like flipping it that way. First Thessalonians 5, page 993. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us, Thank you. Jesus died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So, right, the work has been done. Everything Jesus did, his death, burial, resurrection, his making a home for you in heaven. So, encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Our design is to build each other up it's not, the design isn't me building you up. It's building each other up. So me being a pastor, me doing what God asked me to do actually strengthens me. People tell me all the time, well, pastor, I know you're busy. Big deal. I I know you have a lot of things to do. And you talk to a lot of people. Good. I need that. Some of you don't. I need that. Me being busy with you keeps me from sinning. Right? That's, this, that's the goal, right? I have a, I have a common thing. Do you, how many people would, would really love to know how never to sin again? Anybody really like to know? I, I really, it's the truth, stay in worship. If you worship in his presence all the time, truly, you won't sin. When I serve you, that's act of worship. When I'm studying my Bible as a rule, I'm not sinning. Uh, I have talent. But Pastor Greg, he stopped us right there. This is a picture of the grapevine. The grapevine is, like I said, five miles, and it's grueling. It's, It's after driving... Three, over 300 miles looking at this if you've been through it it just I don't know sometimes it just does a, a gut wrench it's a, oh, because the, the problem is you see cars on the side of the road you see people at that, that at that slight grade for that long wears old engines out and that's not saying if it's icy or poor weather that's in hot <laughs> that, that's when good weather But that's where we're at. Our course. How many people don't like the course you're on sometimes? (laughs) You don't have to be honest. God knows. But but he asks us to go over grapevines. At times he asks us to go over areas, go through areas, do certain tasks that are killing us. I just want to tell us is... (laughs) if we're not careful, we're going to get distracted. Instead of going to the Magic Kingdom, we're going to go to Magic Mountain. The Magic Mountain, instead of, you know, instead of two and a half hour or two hours from the grapevine, it's only 45 minutes. It's an easier trip. It's less of a hassle. I don't want to, I don't want to go towards something that isn't what God wants me to go to. I don't want to, if God's telling me to go to the kingdom, I don't want to go to some fake mountain. I don't want you to be distracted. That's what we're here today, right? I I, I want to invite you to go to, well, let me, I can read it. It's not very long. It's 1 Samuel chapter 22. If you want to go there, it's 247 in the book, but I'm going to read it for you. It, it's, It's a time in David, uh, King David's life, before he was actually inaugurated as king. He was anointed as king. He was related to to Saul, but Saul was filled with demonic stuff and he was trying to kill him and David was running from him. It was a mess. Some of you can relate to messes in life. They had it. And God has David in a special place. And so it, in chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, it says, So David left Gath. Now, Gath is a city in the Philistines. It's not even in Israel. He's just way out to lunch. And, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble, distress, and in debt, and who were discontented, bitter of soul, until David, until David was a captive of about 400 men. I bring this up to you because sometimes we think church is a collection of people that have their stuff together. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I find that really funny. I think that's incredibly humorous because that may even be the view of people who are, you know, think that this is a church building in here. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you I'd rather be in the body of Christ than not in the body of Christ. Amen? But I don't have an illusion that there aren't problems in me or in you. This collection of people followed David because they saw he was anointed. Just like we followed Jesus. We followed Jesus because he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, he's the Redeemer. But by following him doesn't mean that we're without problems. I love it, the honesty in this scripture that says that 400 of these guys, and they have three descriptions. You might be in one of these groups. Are you in trouble? And the word really means distress. We'll talk about that a little bit. Are you in debt? And it could be a physical debt, it could be an emotional debt, it could be a spiritual debt. Are you discontented? Like, just like every day, it's like, ugh. Are you bitter in your soul? 400 I want to be a leader. <laughs> that's what we have in the church today. you may or may you may identify however you like but can I tell you that's in here today. I'm not even guessing. We need rest. We, we have a journey ahead. We have a climb ahead of us. We have a destination God wants us to get to, and we are whooped. And I can tell you right now, God's okay with that. God's okay with the fact that our condition isn't where we'd like it to be. Our calling, our being pulled out, our, our, our being set apart doesn't mean we're without problems. Do you know you can be holy and not perfect? Being holy means to be set apart. And sometimes I I use this analogy. Right now I have a car who is, it it is being set apart to my mechanic because it needs fixing. In fact, it's set apart because it needs fixing. In fact, you're all set apart here because you need to be fixed. You need to be healed. You You need to be restored. You need to be, need rest. You know, I I could read scriptures. You have scriptures. If, If you're anxious, if you're in trouble, the scripture in Philippians said, don't worry about anything. That's really easy for me to say. Don't worry about anything. Except when you're really worried about something, you can't really get out of that. I wish, I wish it was as easy. This Philippians 4 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, it gives us a thing. I think it says, hey, here, here's the thing. Here's the prescription, ready? If you're worried, anybody here worried or anxious about anything? Nobody. Too. You have kids, you should be worried about everything. You have grandkids, you should be worried about everything, ready? If you're worried, if you're anxious, here's this prescription. Pray. Oh! Didn't we, just, didn't we just talk about that? Thank him for everything he's done. Oops. There it is. <laughs> That's funny. Woohoo. Baptism. Are you anxious? Pray. Why do you think prayer and making disciples is so critical? See, I don't want to go to the next three vision statements. Those are stupid unless the first two are inactive. I'm just telling you what I think. I submit to you. If I don't pray and are not actively in, in a discipling situation where I'm being discipled and you're being discipled, the rest is foolishness. What are you going to plant? How are you going to show compassion? Oh, thank you. Oh, gosh. Oh, man, what a mess I made. This is a good excuse. I don't know where my rest of my notes are. <laughs> Let's do this. So... What I, what I really want to tell you is that your condition today, if you're honest, is no different from those guys in Adullam. And it really, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's not a, a mark against you. It's the truth. We have struggles every day. Let's see what I have. Are you weary? Exhausted? Are you stuck? Discouraged? Are you there? Galatians says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up has anybody ever been in a place where you're been a place where you've almost given up and then turning a corner things happen in your life that's just unexpectable unexpecting i can't say the word i'm sorry forgive me you didn't expect anybody just me I was unemployed for nine months, seven months. I, I experienced my first full-blown adult depression. I had six kids, unemployed, and I. I this is 25 years ago, no, 27 years ago, Conrad's 27. I, was, I, I begged for a job to get $8 an hour I have a degree. I I deserve more. I worked for three months doing telemarketing. I know that's confession. It's good for the soul. And in three months, I got a full-time job at $40,000 a year, 27 years ago. I didn't see that coming. Did I want to give up? Absolutely. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring, what today will bring. You have no idea. And God's okay with that. God's okay with you not knowing. Again, it's his heavenly perspective we're after. I need to I need to be I need to have my residency in him. That that makes all of this make sense. I want to read Hebrews 12. So this, if you'll follow me with this one, this is sort of more important. Hebrews 12, one one through three. It's on page 1017 on the black book. And I just want to encourage us with the scripture. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Now, he's talking not just about this earth He's not just talking, hey, you can see me, and I can see you. He's saying, hey, there is history. it's talking about everyone that has ever walked in faith is watching you today. There's a crowd watching you. He says, since you're being viewed, (laughs) since you're under a celestial microscope, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Now, listen, I wish it was just losing some poundage. It's not referring to that, although it could be for you. It's really referring to what? He goes on. He says, strip off every weight that that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily entangles you. I don't know your sin individually. Some of it could be greed. Some of it could be lust. Some of it could be anger. Some of it could be slothfulness. Some of it could be whatever. There's so many. Some of us just have a sin that's called your name. <laughs> Mine's Dennis. I have, a, I have a special blend. I think C.S. Lewis says that all sin is based in pride. Sin is based on me thinking that I don't need God. And then everything else sort of squirts out from there. He says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set for us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross regarding, disregarding its shame Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people and then you won't become weary in giving up. What does it say? You're not alone. Number two, strip off sin. All your hurts, your hang-ups, your habits, get rid of them. Is that easy? No. Do you want to do it? No. How many people know that sin, in its full effect, is rotten? Sin ultimately will destroy things. But we do it because it brings pleasure momentarily. That's what sin is. It it will entangle you. Run with endurance because God has set the course for you. Wait a minute, God, you mean you want me to go over the grapevine? Yes. You want me to endure an elevation that I'm not sure I can make it? Yes. Because it requires you walking by faith. And then I I like to do this. I told this story before, I'll tell it again, because I love it. When Conrad and Misha, my two youngest kids, were playing baseball, they were little guys, the coach came, and they were like, I think Conrad was probably seven, Misha eight, and the coach, you know, they wore, the, this, they wore this hat, and he goes, he touched these kids around him, and he goes, do you know, do you see what's on this hat? Do you see this S.F.? Do you know what that stands for? Stay focused!
2: (laughs) It was the greatest
1: thing. Uh, Stay focused! Gosh, if my attention span could be any worse, distracted, discouraged, frustrated, he says, "Stay focused. Consider what Jesus did in your prayers. Back to the relational part. God, thank you for what Jesus did. I can't believe that He would that He would express His love for me by giving Himself up. I can't I can't believe, Father, that You would give Your only Son for me. Remember, consider. Right. I'm going to stop there. I could go on a little bit more. I don't have a lot, but." I really felt this morning that I'd like to open us up for prayer, and I know there's COVID things, and if you if you need to be distanced, I get that. But I'd like to do two things. I'd like the elders to come up. I've asked them to, and I know that we've got an online presence, so I'm not going to leave here. I I just not. I'm gonna because I got to smile. But if the elders could come up, I'd like two things to happen. Just, you can come up here, up in front. Come on, up right here. here. Uh, first thing I'd like to do is this. I just felt this this morning. Could, could we, as a congregation, pray for our, our elders? How many people? No, don't tell me. I just want to encourage you. It, it's the, the word of God says to pray for your elders. Not because they're smart or not because they're, They've, man, they're just as, just as much as mess as anybody else. But, but I'd like at least two of you right now, could, could two people just pray for our elders? And just this loud, booming voice, maybe it'll be picked up by a mic. I don't know if we want to do this. Is that worth it? Is it? Which one? Green or red? Oh, I love decisive, decisive people. Who would like to pray? I'm not going to pray for them. I just need somebody to stand up anybody just nobody cares about these guys come on seriously do you know that they they can affect your life okay
0: all right let's pray Lord we thank you that you have called each of these men to be in leadership in our church God we thank you that they have accepted this calling um, with open hearts and open hands and Lord wanting to serve our community God, I pray for each one of them individually as they struggle and learn and grow um, in their own lives and also as they make decisions regarding our church and what we need. God, I pray that you would cover them with just a hedge of protection, Lord. Um, protect their minds, protect their hearts, protect their families, Lord God, and help them to be able to keep their eyes focused on you. Help them to grow as you prune them, Lord God, and give them wisdom as they make decisions that affect our church, that affect our community. God help them to be the leaders that we need them to be, and um, we just pray Your strength and Your covering over each one of them, and help them to um, lead us and uh, as we as they follow Christ, help us to follow their example as we read today. Thank you, Jesus, for and we pray a blessing over each one of them. Amen.
1: One other person. Lord I pray that you make these men's their spiritual armor thick and their weapons sharp I pray that you give them the strength and the wisdom to guide the flock that you bless and you protect them Lord that you grant them wisdom that you allow them to prosper and that their prosperity can glorify you I pray that be that they be a vessel of your will Lord You allow them to bring your kingdom come to this earth. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've given us. Thank you for these men. And in Jesus' name we pray. Okay. All right, so this is going to be a little bit trickier than I thought. This is what I'd like to do, two things. The scripture says in James, I just want to read it so that I don't blow it. If I could find it real quick. Come on. You're right here. I know you're here. It says, are any of you suffering? Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are you? Are any of you happy? You should get, sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well and if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. I just want to encourage you right now that if, if you would like to come and ask for prayer for anything, if you're weary, if you're struggling, if you're in debt, if you're discontented, if you're bitter of heart, if you're anxious, I, I want to invite you to come Pray with these guys, and and we have some oil. I'm going to give it to Steve. And yeah, and if wives can come up, this is if the elders' wives can come up, or you know, I'm totally cool. If but but let's say that you're in a fine place, and and I know that we're online. I while we're doing this, I'm going to be praying for the online group, and I want you to pray with me. This is. There are people in our fellowship that can't be here that that are that are sick, and that would be Chris Dancy, Mike Botica, Ron Campbell. I'm going to miss some, and, and I'm I, I wrote them down because I, I don't trust me, and now it's all wet. Uh, Carl Sloan. Um, there are there are folks that have the COVID issue, but. I, I wanna pray while I'm doing that, but so if, if you're able to, if you're healthy and you wanna join me with in prayer, please do that. We're just gonna take about five minutes and then we're gonna dismiss. But I this is not a spectator sport by any stretch, okay? So if you need prayer, this is the time to, to get your tushy up here and let people pray for you, please. Okay. I'm I'm gonna do my thing. You do this is two separate things going on. Okay? Have, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. (laughs) That that your your vision, your view of us is such a precious sight that your love for us has been expressed over and over again, repeatedly, daily, moment by moment. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would activate our hearts, that you would humble us, that, that we come in here recognizing our need for you. So I ask, first of all, that that here in this place that if we have any need that we would come and ask for prayer if there's a debt emotionally physically spiritually if there's discontent if there's anxiousness and worry i pray that you would heal heal that from us and i pray father specifically for people in our fellowship i pray for chris dancy I ask, Father, for your healing power upon his physical body. I pray, Father, that you would touch him even right now. I, Father, I, I don't know what your plans are for him, but I pray that you would encourage him and let him be, know the strength of your Holy Spirit. I, I pray for Mike Botica, Father. I know he's in intense pain, and I pray that you would give him relief. I pray that your grace would be upon he and his household. Let your, let your name be glorified, Father. And I looked up Carl Sloan, I thank you for him. I thank you for the work that you're doing in his body. I thank you for the, the care that he's getting from his doctors. I pray that there'd be just a, a healing ministry to him that you would just touch him and let grace come upon his family. I I, I thank you for Ron Campbell that, that he had this infusion the other day. I pray that you would bless him and encourage him. I pray, Father, for those in our fellowship that, uh, especially the seniors and those who uh, just have not been able to come to to church, who feel maybe disconnected, I pray your grace would be upon them, that they would just feel your presence, and that you would give us wisdom, Father, on how and uh, the best way to contact them. I just pray your grace upon them, in Jesus' name. Would anybody like to come for prayer? (laughs)
2: Ha <laughs> ha Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I'm going to pray and we can uh, accept. Heavenly Father we're so thankful that you made a way for us to be saved over and over again <laughs> that we're that we're continually being saved we're continually being renewed we're so thankful for that today I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that, that brings life truly every breath we have is yours and we're thankful for that I ask your your grace and your blessing upon each one here. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.